0: I'm at the
1: Combination Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Wait, she's at the Nail Salon and the Grocery Store? I'm at the Combination Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Groceries through Instacart, delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store.
2: In the squadron, they called him bullets.
3: But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the The air air. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is me. All right. Thank you.
4: It's hard work selling a book, but it's a lot of fun. Thank you to the great one, Mark Levin. He endorsed the Greg Kelly book. Had me on his show last night. Two segments. And... Uh, Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement is a bestseller on the Amazon uh, charts uh, in one of those categories. That's a very, very good sign. Of course, the holy grail of uh, bestseller lists is the New York Times bestseller list. And they play, well, look, it's their right. They can do whatever they want. um, And I hope I get on it. But. What they do, they only track sales at independent bookstores. And, oh, by the way, I love independent bookstores. I love, uh, especially after they started buying Legos. They got a little toy section in there as well. So uh, the book is off to a great start. Mark Levin, Megan Kelly. Let's see. Sean Hannity, thank you. I was on all those shows uh, yesterday, and I will be um, Bill O'Reilly, Charlie Kirk. Much more to come. In the meantime, Joe Biden, busted. Busted! 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 Um, he's a, he should be in a lot of trouble. Classify if, if, if we're going to go by the, the the Mar-a-Lago standards, right? Classified documents with the president of the United States. Actually, a president and a former president like Donald Trump is not in trouble, but an ex vice president is. Being a vice president, um, in terms of like status post vice presidency, not much. You're like an ex-government employee. Whereas a former president of the United States gets uh, secret service protection for life. They still get intelligence briefings. Uh, There are a lot of things that go with being an ex-president of the United States. And with being a president of the United States, you can, you are the ultimate authority on what's classified and what's not classified. It could be the Deepest, darkest secret of the United States, ultra, triple, double, top secret, double top secret probation. Remember, double top secret. And the president can just go and tell everybody. He can tell the American people, I decided to make this known. You can do that as the president. You can look it up. He has that authority. And he had the authority to declassify documents if he wanted to while he was president. And um, so he's not in trouble. He, Donald Trump, all that stuff, it, it was fake. What was really offensive was when they sent the FBI in. Uh, the FBI. But Joe Biden, on the other hand, oh, they say they found these crazy documents, classified documents. Oh, by the way, pertaining to China and Ukraine. Ooh. <laughs> and We know that the Bidens have interests, business interests in China and Ukraine. It's all on the laptop. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about, right? So they established a phony baloney, no-show job, one of many, for Joe Biden when he left uh, the vice president's office. When did he become an ex-vice president? January 20th of 2017. President Trump is president, and Joe Biden is ex-Veep Joe Biden. Basically just a man in the street. But, you know, there's some prestige there, being an ex-vice president. You get on this board, you get this stuff, you get the University of Pennsylvania arranges a— Kind of a phony, uh, glorified uh, 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 guest lecturer slash assistant professor position. Hey, by the way, guess where he worked? Did you know the University of Pennsylvania has something called the Andrea Mitchell Center? They had the Andrea, yeah, the Andrea Mitchell from Fake News, MSNBC. That's the school he worked in. (laughs) The Andrea Mitchell Center for Democracy, huh? (laughs) The, the, the one who anchors the, the news at noon, the Center for Democracy at the University of Pennsylvania, on which Joe Biden was a faculty member, they gave him an office. And in November, what turns up? A bunch of classified documents. Why did they turn up then? Who found them? Joe Biden's lawyers. So many questions. We don't have the answers. And by the way, were they found in November? If they were found in November, they could have been there for how many years? years. Six years. When did Joe Biden land this deal with the University of Pennsylvania? It was sometime in 2017, I think. Probably arranged it while he was vice president. And he gets this little sweet office. And it's in a regular office building in Washington, D.C. You've seen it. it's just an ordinary office building. Probably all kinds of tenants in there. There's probably a McDonald's in the first floor. I'm actually trying to track down all the other tenants. Mar-a-Lago, on the other hand. What's at Mar-a-Lago? Mar-a-Lago. It's one property with a wall around it, with guards around it, also with a secret, uh, ultra-secret room called a skiff. S-C-I-F. I think it's Secret and Classified Information Folders or something like that. I've been in SCIFs a lot. They're not that impressive. It's just a room, basically, that's authorized to have, uh, and usually you have that, when you are the sitting president and what would you have afterwards um well you put him under lock and key you put him in a desk but remember the federal case they made about uh well they really did they sent in the fbi anyway let's hear what uh cbs news reported last night i played a big chunk of this on my show and i gotta say the fake news did a straight kind of they did try to protect joe a little bit on this but i took the meat of the story And put it on television, now I'm putting it on the radio. Cut 22, please. Cut 22.
1: Three sources tell CBS News the classified documents were discovered in this building about a mile from the White House at the offices of the Penn Biden Center, a foreign policy research institute set up after President Biden left the vice presidency. According to a source familiar with the matter, the classified documents are small in number and were found in November in a box among unclassified material. Sources would not characterize how sensitive the documents are. Responding to requests from CBS News, the White House counsel said that on November 2nd of last year, before the midterm elections, lawyers for President Biden were cleaning out office space at the center. When they discovered the documents marked classified in a locked closet, they stopped the work and contacted the White House. White House lawyers then reached out to the National Archives, which is responsible for the records. The archives, in turn, contacted the Department of Justice. Attorney General Merrick Garland then tasked the U.S. attorney in Chicago, John Lausch, a Trump appointee, with determining what is in the documents and how they arrived at the Penn Biden Center.
4: All right. There it is. A lot of information there. Still a lot of unknowns. And then they then they went a little soft. Then they brought on the legal expert who said this is totally different from what uh, President Trump is accused of because Joe Biden found these documents himself and voluntarily called the National Archives and said, I want to bring these back. Uh, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. And Why these documents? What was in those documents? And how about the outrage that Joe Biden showed when uh well, when Donald Trump went through this, I remember the date. I'll never forget it. August 8th, 2022. Somebody comes into my office and says, the FBI just raided Donald Trump's um, Mar-a-Lago. And I couldn't believe it. And I was angry. I was so mad. I really, I just couldn't believe it. And you know what I did? Um. Well... I don't want to brag or anything like that, but I called the president immediately. Uh, I just called him. And uh, I had a feeling I knew where he was, and I called this number that uh, I – I actually don't even keep it in my phone. You know why? You would never want to <laughs> accidentally dial the number. You know what I mean? I would never – you don't want to ab- – so I just – and I would – usually I got to like, okay, I don't want – I'll call him in the afternoon when nothing's going on. I'll try to – you know, when he's not busy – Anyway, I called him up, and I said, Mr. President, and we. He said, can you believe this thing? Can you believe this thing? And we talked about it, and I uh, shared. he shared his frustration. I shared my frustration. I was amazed, by the way, that he picked up the call and he had time for me. We talked for about five minutes, which is a long time. And guess what? In the middle of all that, in the middle of all that stuff, you know what he did? He gave me some advice on something that's been um, – Kind of percolating in the background. And it's not. It's not important now. Back in August, it was, and he knew all about this little situation I had on my hands. He knew all about it. And he's like Greg. You know what I think you might want to do. It. And it was amazing in that moment. He had bandwidth to talk about my uh, my situation. I was. Uh, I'll never forget that. Never forget that. But I was so angry by what uh, that FBI did. And you remember they put all the documents on the ground. To make it look far worse, secret documents like they were just laying all over the place, a mess. They took that famous picture. And Joe Biden, of course, on cue, stands uh, ready to exploit the matter. And the fake news gives him a chance to do that. Well, actually, it's Scott Pelley on CBS. I kind of like that guy. Here he is. Cut 23. This is from 60 Minutes. Scott Pelley asking Joe Biden about Donald Trump's. Secret documents. Cut 23.
2: When you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor, what did you think to yourself looking at that image?
5: How that could possibly happen. How anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that, I mean names of people who helped or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. Wow. He was, my
4: God, how irresponsible. How could he do such a thing? (laughs) Biden did the same damn thing? And, oh, by the way, he wasn't authorized to. I'll tell you what happened when he got to the University of Pennsylvania. However he got that job, whatever weirdo arrangements were made for this no-show job. Oh, by the way, he got paid $900,000 over two years, for about three seminars. Three seminars, $900,000. What do they get out of having him hang around? But I will tell you this, and I know for a fact, that when Vice President Biden showed up at that office in Washington, D.C., he was no longer vice president. He was a civilian, a private citizen, had no access, no claim at that point, certainly as a former vice president to classified material. And he's bringing him into his college office? That's a problem. And that—that, I mean, maybe the fake news will interview me about that. What's my reaction to that? My reaction is very similar to uh, this, 23. When
2: you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor, what did you think to yourself looking at that image?
5: How that could possibly... Happen? How anyone could be that irresponsible? And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that, I mean, names of people who helped or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. Wow.
4: How could that possibly happen? How could anyone be so irresponsible? And what about sources and methods and names? That's a bunch of crap, by the way. All right. That's a bunch of crap. Joe is lying. How could that be possible? Now, I think that outrage right there, this is the fake news is going to protect Joe. And I'm already seeing, I'm already sensing, I'm looking at all the big TVs here and MSNBC, CNN. This is not the issue of the moment. They're ready to move on. But this leaves a mark. This leaves a mark. You know, it's getting, we're getting close to the put up or shut up time for Democrats to run for president. They're, what Democrat would not want to run against Joe Biden? I know they're really good about that party discipline, 212 people voting <laughs> the same way. But primary challenges against a sitting president from the same party, they do happen from time to time. And when they do, the president usually loses, loses the big election. Uh, the last time we had a one-term president in the United States, actually a long time ago, George H.W. Bush, 1989 to 1993, one-term president. And you know what? Softened him up to be beaten by Bill Clinton, a guy named Patrick Buchanan, who opposed him in uh, the primary. I think he actually got like 35% of the vote in um, New Hampshire. It damaged um, George H.W. And then the other one, uh, Jimmy Carter. 1977 to 1981. In 1980, Ted Kennedy era. I, uh, I, uh, I tried to save her, but uh, I, uh, I became exhausted and wondered if there was a curse over the Kennedy family. So I relaxed by the dune. I
3: got to go. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
4: Something happened to our phone. Our call in line doesn't work. So we got a new number. It's temporary, I think. Uh, What happened to the old number? 833-969-4447. If you want to call in and uh, talk to me, I'll take the calls in a little while. 833-969-4447. I want to read you a tweet that um, you could say that this is reasonable. Maybe you could. All right. So here it goes. Uh, This was from... um, just after the election just after the midterm election okay ready for this to the re-elected and the newly elected public officials congratulations on winning your hard-fought elections however that wasn't your job your job is just getting started your job is to represent the people who elected you it's not about you it's about your constituents not exactly deep not exactly useful, but fine. You can say that kind of stuff. I mean, I, do I really I disagree? It's, it's just kind of a silly thing to say, although he is kind of telling them what their job is. It's fine if he were a regular person to tweet something like this. You know who tweeted this? Harry Dunn, that Capitol Hill cop who's still a Capitol Hill cop, who is armed. He is an armed officer on Capitol Hill, not elected by anybody. He is a swamp guy. Elevated now to some sort of civil rights icon, and he is yelling. You got caps in here, I think. He's yelling at members of Congress, yelling at them. You know what that is? That's fascism. This is the road to fascism. I address this in the book. Hey, by the way, it's a defense of law enforcement. It is a defense of law enforcement. And I talk about this crazy road that America took to get here. Cops are suddenly demonized. But I also have this in the book because it's somewhat paradoxical, I know, but I say this. Do not be intimidated by uniforms. This whole book I wrote is about respect for law and order. But as an ex-military officer, I feel confident in telling you that people who wear uniforms in order to bully other people into submission, whether politically or by force, are cowards. Soldiers and police officers are not our leaders or legislators. They are servants, public servants, yes. The job they do is underappreciated and difficult, and they deserve our respect and cooperation. But when people in uniform put themselves forward as political spokesmen, as with the January 6 cops, that's the beginning of actual fascism. They got to big big problem on their hands on capitol hill and you know what i kind of understand they're probably afraid to deal with this one because these guys have guns and they're there all the time (laughs) it ain't supposed to be like this folks what a bizarro mirror mirror uh they beam down to the alternate planet alternate universe remember that episode in star trek i love that show All right, lighten up, Harry Dunn. You're going to get yourself and the country in a lot of trouble.
3: Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
4: Something happened to our phone? Our call in line doesn't work, so we got a new number. It's temporary, I think. Uh, What happened to the old number? 833 969 4447. If you want to call in and uh, talk to me, I'll take the calls in a little while. 833-969-4447. I want to read you a tweet that um, you could say that this is reasonable. Maybe you could. All right. So here it goes. Uh, This was from um, just after the election, just after the midterm election. Okay. Ready for this? To the re-elected and the newly elected public officials, congratulations on winning your hard-fought v- elections. However, that wasn't your job. Your job is just getting started. Your job is to represent the people who elected you. It's not about you. It's about your constituents. Not exactly deep, not exactly useful, but fine. You can say that kind of stuff. I mean, I do I really I disagree? It's It's just kind of a silly thing to say, although... He is kind of telling them what their job is. It's fine if he were a regular person to tweet something like this. You know who tweeted this? Harry Dunn, that Capitol Hill cop who's still a Capitol Hill cop, who is armed. He is an armed officer on Capitol Hill, not elected by anybody. He is a swamp guy, elevated now to some sort of civil rights icon, and he is yelling. you got caps in here, I think. He's yelling at members of Congress yelling at them. You know what that is? That's fascism. This is the road to fascism. I address this in the book. Hey, by the way, it's a defense of law enforcement. It is a defense of law enforcement. And I talk about this crazy road that America took to get here. And Cops are suddenly demonized. But I also have this in the book. Because it's somewhat paradoxical, I know, but I say this. Do not be intimidated by uniforms. This whole book I wrote is about respect for law and order. But as an ex-military officer, I feel confident in telling you that people who wear uniforms in order to bully other people into submission, whether politically or by force, are cowards. Soldiers and police officers are not our leaders or legislators. They are servants, public servants, yes. The job they do is underappreciated and difficult, and they deserve our respect and cooperation. But when people in uniform put themselves forward as political spokesmen, as with the January 6 cops, that's the beginning of actual fascism. They got a big, big problem on their hands on Capitol Hill. And you know what? I kind of understand they're probably afraid to deal with this one because these guys have guns and they're there all the time. (laughs) It ain't supposed to be like this, folks. What a bizarro mirror, mirror. Uh, They beam down to the alternate planet, alternate universe. Remember that episode in Star Trek? I love that show. All right. Lighten up, Harry Dunn. You're going to get yourself and the country in a lot of trouble.
2: Tax day is coming. Oh, no.
3: Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
4: Harry Dunn wasn't done with that. This is a cop on Capitol Hill telling people how to do their job. He's supposed to provide security. He shouldn't be he shouldn't even be thinking about this stuff. You can think about it at home. He's, now he's a public brand. He was honored at the White House on Friday. And on Monday, he's telling members of Congress, deliver on the promises that you ran on. People who voted for you have put their trust in you, and it shouldn't be misplaced. Be transparent with your voters, and most importantly, be honest. Congratulations. But again, the real work starts now. Thanks a lot, Harry Dunn. What the hell business is it of yours? Vote. Write a letter to your congressman. Again, this is constitutionally protected free speech, you might say. However, you're not allowed to just pipe off when you're an employee, right? If you're publicly associated with a, hey, I know what it's like. Sometimes I'll tweet something. I've been in hot water before with the boss. You know, I know what it's like. It happens. It happens. You know, are you representing yourself or the Capitol Hill police? I mean, boy, boy, they got a prop. They got a problem on their hands big time. Hey, we want to point out, again, Diamond and Silk. Wow, what a what great people. I, um, I never met them in person, but I had them on my show a couple of times. Very insightful. They could be funny, but they're so blunt, so strong, so honest. So Diamond. Diamond died. Only, I think, 51 years old. Great lady. And uh, do we have any Diamond and Silk? Let's see uh, one of their moments. They have this routine where they just go, back and forth and dissecting complex issues but it's entertaining and it's fun and donald trump put out an amazing statement about the uh, diamond and silk it's uh he's a special guy and i tonight and you can see this you can look him up but there are some beautiful pictures of trump with diamond and silk and you can see there's a real connection a real warmth there you know unlike biden who's using everybody uh just use it. Look at me. Look at how I'm connecting with people. Look at how I'm connecting. I know how to connect. Well, just shut up and connect. What are you, what are you bragging about it for? He does that a lot. And then the whole squeezing of everybody. Where is that statement? Where is it? Here we go. Ready? From Donald Trump. Really bad news for Republicans and, frankly, all Americans. Our beautiful diamond of diamond and silk has just passed away at her home in the state she loves so much, North Carolina. Silk? Was with her all the way, and at her passing, there was no better team anywhere, or at any time. Diamond's death was totally unexpected. Probably her big and precious heart just plain gave out. Rest in peace, our magnificent Diamond. You will be greatly missed. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? It's warm. It's, it's true. It's authentic. Stuff that Joe Biden will never understand. Patricia in Long Island, uh, how are you? And where on Long Island are you? Hello? Uh Uh-oh, what happened? The new phone system. You guys said we had a new... She's on hold, but we can't hear her for some reason. All right, I'm going to put you back on hold, even though it seems like you're on hold, and we'll try Josh in Brooklyn. How about Josh in Brooklyn? All right, screw it. I don't have to talk to anybody. That's fine. Oh, wait, Josh, you're there. Hi. Is that you? Hi. Hi. How are you? Yeah, what's up?
6: All right. I'm, uh, I'm calling from Brooklyn, New York. Good morning. Good afternoon to you.
4: We covered that. What's uh, up? Do you hear me? Yes, go ahead. You're live on the air.
6: All right. My my beef this morning is I cannot understand why the Republicans, Do not make a day of mourning the day the Russian collusion story happened. It was definitely a coup. The first time the United States ever experienced a coup. A story that was made up. It cost us $45 million in investigation and tax money. And the country just goes on. And we're busy apologizing for January 6th. I'm not for violence, but I'm definitely not apologizing a country lost its innocence to take a president that you do not like for any reason and to develop a coup and to run with it. And they're talking about January 6th as if January 6th started at January 6th. It started the day of the coup of March 3rd, 2017, the first day of the investigation over Trump. I'm not a Trump guy. I want to make that clear, but I am 64 years old. I never experienced my country behaving in such a fashion. Really? It's disgusting. We should create a day of mourning, a day to remember what happened after 200-some-odd years being a country. This is what happens in our country, yeah. a third world country.
4: All right, Josh, you know what? When you first started talking, I wasn't optimistic, but you made some great points there, beautifully expressed. And I agree with you, except for the day of morning thing. I don't know if we're going to pull that off. Uh, we we can't pull that off. Day of morning. A day of morning is basically a day in the life of the Biden administration. It all seems like that. I mean, we're not going to actually, literally, have a day of mourning. But Josh, I appreciate it, and I appreciate you. You know, yeah, you don't have to be, you don't have to like Trump to be horrified by what happened here. And uh, Josh, sixty-four years old—that's uh, not old anymore. Okay, that's not old. You, you realize that, right?
6: Take that every time. I'll take that.
4: All right, all right. I- Th- thank you, Josh. I got to go to. Is oh, do we have Patricia Strinda? uh Let's try her one more time, Patricia. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Yes. Hi there. You're on the uh, the radio. This is Patricia from yes
0: beautiful, beautiful Sound Beach, Long Island. Okay, honey. Nice to talk to you. Glad I'm on. So, um, what do you think about the Ratzar? It's so funny. Eric Adams made a Ratzar so that and you can make. He has nine people in the queue, and he's going to decide any day now who's going to do it. One hundred twenty to $150,000 to be the rats are and get rid of the rats in New York City.
4: Yeah, now, I, it's a joke. It's a joke. You know, it's another publicity gimmick. It's nonsense. It's just, uh, um, and I don't know if you're going to actually turn the rat situation around, which, oh, by the way, uh, I've been in New York for a long time. I don't know if it's really all that worse than it's been throughout New York history. You know, they say there's one rat for every person, 8 million rats estimated. You're on Long yes, Island. I mean, I mean I don't I don't I'm, I'm telling you I walk around I don't see much in the way of rats. I got to be honest here. And the rat czar thing is just a, another moment where what's his name Adams can get some attention. I told I told Curtis I don't think he should take the gig. I don't want him involved with Kurt, with uh, with Eric. I don't like this man. I don't trust him. And uh, there's no way that uh, Curtis should associate with him. And Sid Rosenberg, for that matter, as well. There I said it. Sid buddying around with, uh, with Eric. 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 All right. So um, those are my thoughts, Patricia.
0: Thank you, honey. But what about the four, <laughs> uh, the two-legged rats? That's a problem. Ah. That's a bigger problem.
4: Very good. Very good. Uh, let's do one more. Uh, Sandra in New Jersey. Hey. Hi. Hi. Oh, is that her on the piano?
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> yes.
4: You play the piano. You were killing time playing the piano while you were on hold, huh? That's
0: that's that's what I do. Well,
4: play Happy yes. Birthday right now. Damn, I love it. All right, stop with Happy Birthday. Let's play something cool. Play the theme from Star Wars.
0: No, no, now I you're putting me on the spot. Okay.
4: Sandra, thank story. you for calling. What's
3: up?
0: No, I I didn't. Oh, yeah. What I wanted to say was I, your show last night was great. You should be a detective. I, and I love the way you had Ashley Babbage's husband on last night and how he's so grateful that you're mentioning her in your book. And then I wanted to say my husband got the audio today and he's listening to it. I go in and I say, well, how is it? He goes thumbs up with a big smile on his face. So he goes, so far, so good. Oh. And then I wanted to ask, hey, the, he likes your book and he's picky. Then I wanted to ask you a question. Why would they hire a Trump appointed person to handle this investigation now with the documents with Biden? Wouldn't they want to pick someone
4: on their side? You would think, right? But, however, just keep this in mind. Um A lot of the so-called Trump picks, I mean, Donald Trump did not know enough people, and he often did not pick the right people. This happens when you never worked in government. He wasn't a politician. He wasn't accumulating, you know, chits and favor banks stuff and all that stuff. It's to his credit that he didn't live his life in politics. But when he got there, here's an example. Um, Remember Bill Barr? Remember how terrible he became? we for for a moment we thought he was brave and then he caved and then he resigns and you know what he did Trump just picked the guy who was the deputy and made him the attorney general um and i th- that was a mistake now the good thing is what Donald Trump i believe has been doing he's learned so much from that experience and from what's happening now and his Rolodex is much bigger however however The swamp and the culture and the media will come after you if you associate with Trump. So they are scaring some people off. But just because this guy was appointed by Trump doesn't mean he's a Trump guy. I mean, Christopher Wray from the FBI was appointed by Trump. All right. There. Made the case. You know what I mean, Uh, Sandra? It doesn't really mean anything. (laughs) Okay. All right. And thank you for watching the show. I was proud of it as well. What's that? that, Then I got to go. Say one more thing.
0: I was gonna talk about uh Diamond passing away, but you beat me to it, but yeah, she's very sad and we're gonna miss it. Was she only
4: fifty one years old?
0: Only fifty one and I wonder why she died. maybe she had the virus, who knows?
4: Who uh yeah, knows? people are people are talking about that. You know, we got a lot of people just dropping dead, fainting on football fields. What's going on? What is going on? Is it related to the uh to the vaccine. I I think you can actually talk about that. You can have a conversation about that. You can stand up and say, hmm, maybe. Is it? It's not illegal. And oh, by the way, and this has nothing to do with diamond and silk. Another thing that we have to worry about, they just legalized pot in Connecticut. Everybody is getting high. You don't want to get high. Well, it helps with my anxiety. You know what? A little bit of anxiety is a good thing. All right. It keeps you going. It keeps the Keeps you on your toes. Can't get too comfortable. You don't want to be uh you don't want to be a depressive or anything. All right, what's up? What's this? What's this? Breaking news, what's going on? You come running in, you came running in with a list. Oh my gosh. Jimmy in Brooklyn is on the phone, and so is Larry. All right, I'll get back to you guys. I gotta go take a commercial break. I thought that, boy, I thought this was big.
3: I appreciate it, Rich. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
4: I just saw this on uh, CNN, CNN, take it with a grain of salt, of course, but a new survey says that most teenagers report seeing and being exposed to online porn at the age of 12. Most teenagers, they've already seen porn. They know all about porn at the age of 12. That's, uh, that's pretty young. And, uh, unfortunately, I guess it's inevitable is it inevitable? Porn. Remember when porn was uh, a couple of magazines and, uh, you know, the Red Light District? I <laughs> You had to go to the trouble. Believe it or not, there was a time where you had to go to the trouble to go to a movie theater to see pornography. Um, you actually had to have the gumption to go to a, a store. Remember when Woody Allen goes in? Do you ever see the movie Bananas. Woody Allen wants to go buy um, – oh, I forgot what it was. I Forgive me. I think it was – he wanted to buy a copy of Orgasm. There's a – and he's bashful about it. He goes into the newsstand, and he's like, I'll take a Time Magazine. I'll take a Newsmax. I'll take a commentary. I'll take a Sports Illustrated. And I think I'll grab one of these. The clerk's counting on it. Hey, Larry, how much is a copy of Orgasm? This gentleman would like to buy a copy. You had to expose yourself to that. It's one thing to get a glimpse of a Playboy magazine when you're 12. What is this going to mean in five years? What is it going to mean when they grow up? I'm no prude, believe me, all right? I've seen it all. Although I was older. I was older. I wasn't 12. I had, I saw a few things. Yeah, Playboy, a glimpse here and there. But to see that stuff, what kind of expectations will you have when you finally get to the bedroom i mean and forget about commitment forget about intimacy what is going to happen what is it going what are they going to be like when they grow up i have no idea i think we're seeing some of the signs of it though we have a decreasing life expectancy in america we have uh, increasing unhappiness in america we are, as a country, more irreligious than I think ever before. More people identifying as atheists and that kind of Hey, for a while I went through a phase like that, by the way. And then uh I snapped and when I was in my actually when I was a in college teen. When I was a teenager, I thought. But I um now I know better. Now I know better. Um All right, so we had that. I went through the Harry Dunn stuff. Uh, I am actually putting together I call it the January Fixed, the ultimate January 6 rebuttal by me. And I'm finding out all kinds of interesting little, I'll play it later, that Ruby, Ruby and Shea Moss, those election workers from Georgia, um, a couple of characters there. I don't think we have the full story yet. Joe Biden on Friday was handing out awards uh, for those who may have helped him clinch the presidency, right? Some people were perfectly positioned to help Joe Biden, like the Secretary of State of, of Michigan. Still, it looks like Joe is actually paying something of a price for that ludicrously late trip to the border. How could he go to the border, huh? He goes to the I mean, you had to go to the border day two, day three, day four. Why doesn't he go? Well, he wants the chaos down there. He does. And the people he works for want the chaos down there. They want the cheap labor and they want the votes. They believe they can portray at least those people as voting any which way. Joe Biden went and he was pressed by uh, by who was it? He was great, by the way, Governor Abbott. Governor Abbott was fantastic. Gave him that letter. Cut twenty two, please. This is Governor Greg Abbott of Texas. Cut twenty two.
1: Three sources tell CBS News the classified no, no, documents. No, no, no,
4: no, 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 Where the hell is it? Where is it? Where is it? You know, on on thing. thing to, go to, go to. Extra cuts. All right. You see it? Greg Abbott cut 22. Do you see that? Yeah? All right. Press play, please. What's the deal? All right.
1: Sources tell CBS News the All classified right. documents were discovered in this <laughs> All right. That's obviously not Greg
4: Abbott. Mind- but let me tell you, Greg Abbott happens to be in a wheelchair. And he never talks about it. In, back in the 80s, he was went for a jog and uh, a tree came down on his legs. And um, he's in a wheelchair. Anyway, he hands Joe Biden a note, a letter with five things you can do within your power right now to fix the border. Joe stares at him, totally stumped, folds the letter in a kind of a menacing way and puts it in his pocket. Uh, And then Greg Abbott goes to talk to the reporters. And something interesting happened. Joe gets in the motorcade. He's just off of Air Force One. He meets the people. He shakes hands with Greg Abbott, and then he gets into the motorcade. The motorcade drives off. Greg Abbott goes to and talk to talks to the reporters. There's something about um, there's something about presidential power when it leaves the area. You feel a little bit um, diminished. Like wow, that's that's where the power is. Look at well, there they go, there they go, there they go. With Joe Biden getting into a motorcade, I just there goes an SUV. <laughs> the power, the heart and soul of America, I think, was within Greg Abbott at that moment. Outlining practical steps that can be taken right now. The energy, the passion was there. Not with the president of the United States. And they brought him literally, literally to a dog and pony show. He actually goes to a parking lot and they give him the demonstration of get this, the bomb sniffing dog. We all know about bomb sniffing dogs. All right, they're cute. I guess you're not supposed to pet them, it messes him, but I love bomb sniffing dogs. But that stopped being interesting in about 1993. We know how they work. And Joe gets a whole demonstration about this uh, drug-sniffing dog. He goes all over the... And then they bring him over and, like, this is our new truck. Isn't that a... It's a great big white truck. And Joe gets up and looks inside the truck. I mean, this is what... uh, This is how I behaved when I went with my dad to work. In 1979. When he was at the... uh, where was he? Public Morals or the Special Operations Division? I got a ride on a motorcycle. It's pretty cool. I don't think he could do that today. I got a ride on a on a on a cop spike. Speaking of Ray Kelly, Larry from Brooklyn wants to say something about him. What's up? What's up? Oh. Hey, forget it. Call back tomorrow. The phone situation is uh too sketchy. Um, the number that we had today. Uh, well, don't remember it because we're going to fix the other the other phone lines, right? All right. Very good. Um, I got Charlie Kirk coming up. I got Bill O'Reilly coming up. It's an honor, by the way, to talk to some of these people. It really is. And it's a little bit different to be on the other side, to get the questions. You know, I interview people all the time across the street. Uh, thank you, Sandra, for uh, watching the show so closely. You're right. We did some detective work last night. Uh, There's the music, kind of. All right, let's take a quick break. I'll be back.
3: Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
4: January 10th. 2023, six years ago today, Stephen McDonald, the hero cop, died. Died of, um, well, complications, injury, resulting from injuries that he sustained back in 1986. He was the hero cop who was shot by that thief. Remember the bike robber back in, the, I think it was the summer of 1986. And uh, Stephen McDonald was on foot and uh, went after this guy. And he was shot and paralyzed from the neck down. Um, He lived for a while there. It was touch and go. And he lived an incredible life, an incredible life, an inspirational life. I met him several times. I sp- I'm so privileged to have spent meaningful time with Stephen McDonald. An angel, quite frankly. Kind of like an angel. Something very special. No bitterness, a heart full of forgiveness, joy. He actually met with the person who shot him and forgave him. It reminds me, actually, of Pope John Paul II. I don't know if you remember when he was shot by, what was that guy's name, Muhammad Allah something? Anyway, um, there's a there's an amazing picture of the Pope with that man in prison, and they're having a moment. Um, and the Pope forgave him, and I just, that's kind of beautiful, right? It's tough. It's a tough uh, role model, actually. I don't know if a lot of us are capable of of doing that, but um, it's something to strive for. As we think about his wife, Patty, uh, on this day, we think about uh, their son, Connor, who is moving up the ranks in the New York City Police Department. Connor, I think, uh, I'm not sure if he was quite yet born, Was he was... I believe his mother was pregnant with Connor back in 1986, when this uh, when this terrible event happened, and uh, the New York City Police Department, by the way, well, he was a cop until the end and supported him uh, morally and, and whatever they could do in terms of facilities and just a a great man and a privilege once again to know. Hey, you ever see the movie The Bone Collector? Bone Collector, with Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington plays a police officer paralyzed from the neck down and he 's a great detective that was based in part on uh, stephen mcdonald 's story and Denzel Washington actually went out to Malvern, Long Island to sit down with Stephen McDonald uh, to learn about him um, and get some technical advice for the film. Um, uh, I have something on my wrist actually you know those those wrists those wristbands. Uh, you ever seen one? They they last forever. And Patty McDonald actually gave this to me maybe three years ago. And uh Stephen McDonald. Uh, end of tour one ten twenty seventeen. Detective Stephen McDonald. All right, here we are. And uh Ooh! It's been exciting, uh past twelve hours or so. I was on the Mark Levin show last night. Uh the first time we ever met over the radio, I was deeply touched. Quite frankly, he's aware of me, aware of my work, very complimentary. And I certainly was of him right off the bat. Mark, thank you for the wisdom, for the insight, for the knowledge, and uh for the companionship and the and the humor. You know, he's he can be very funny getting us through these dark times. He is the great one, and we had about a fifteen, twenty minute conversation about uh, my new book, which is available everywhere. I'm. Are you sick of me talking about it? Number one, listen, I'm sorry about that, but if you consider yourself woke, this book will wake you the hell up. You're not woke. You've been asleep and you've been lied to. This book can move the needle on the silly, ludicrous conversation in America about race. It's a bad one. I debunk the 1619 Project with relish. <laughs> uh, I thank you, each and every one of you, who has uh, purchased this book. And I know some of you are thinking about it and about to do it. Uh, it's a bit of a test, by the way, for me. You know what I mean? I'm with a big-time publisher, Simon & Schuster. And, uh, you know, if this one goes okay, stand by for uh, for part two and part three. And it's important. It's important. Um, I'm very grateful to the publisher, by the way. You know, look, (laughs) I'm a conservative. Here I am raising big questions and making some pretty strong accusations about organizations like Black Lives Matter, which have been totally embraced by American culture, by corporate America. Um, And for Simon & Schuster and Threshold to publish a book like that in this moment, they don't have to endorse the message, but it's wonderful that they are facilitating voices that aren't necessarily liberal, that, that don't necessarily agree uh, with the nightly news. Isn't that great? I thank you. I thank uh, Mark Levin. I thank Megan Kelly. I thank Sean Hannity. I've been on all these shows. Bill O'Reilly is coming up. Charlie Kirk is coming up. And um, it's wonderful. I thank you. And, of course, I thank God. Uh, it's It's all from him. I was uh, in a very different place in 2017, 2015, 2014. Uh, Pretty self-destructive life in a lot of ways. Not every way. I I wasn't breaking the law or anything like that, but I was harming myself and um, drinking too much, feeling sorry for myself, too self-absorbed. And I think I've mentioned this before. Someone gave me a Bible in 2012. And I scoffed at it. I said, <laughs> what makes you such a church lady? You think I need this? And I put it on the shelf, kind of insulted. And it sat there for about a good three, four years. And out of curiosity one day, I started reading it. I I was meditating. Somebody said, you really should try meditating. And I tried meditating. And um, as soon as I started meditating, I'd fall asleep. And this seems like a waste of time. Maybe I should do something better with this time. Have I ever really read the Bible from cover to cover? No. At that point, no, I hadn't. So I started reading. I started listening. I started really meditating, you know, communicating with God. And then a lot of things started to change. And he wanted—he was trying to get—he, God, was trying to get my attention for a long time and wanted me to straighten a couple of things out. And I think he still wants me to get a few things straightened out. Um, and the Bible that made the difference for me, well, any Bible will do, but the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible, it just so happens I had that edition. And it has little explainers, little essays that can help you navigate some of the, you know, mysterious language. Sometimes it's a little hard to understand. It can break it down for you. And by the way, right now, somebody, people ask all the time, where do you start? And that was one of the I think it held me back for a while. What, where do you even begin? You know, and, and then you start, you don't understand, and then you're, you're lost and you give up. Well, someone – actually, I've heard this from Dr. Stanley. I've heard this from a number of other people. If you don't know where to start, and there's no right way or wrong way, but you got to start. Uh, start with the Proverbs. The Proverbs. And you know who told me about that? Dr. Ben Carson, Donald Trump's HUD secretary world-class neurosurgeon, an amazing man. Uh, But when he was a kid, when he was a teenager in Detroit, he was headed to um, potentially a life of crime. He had stabbed a friend of his. Uh, He had hit some guy in the head with a padlock. He had a crazy temper, an extreme temper, and he got all those things under control. One day, he hurt somebody real bad. I think he was about 14 years old. He was in a fight and he was very upset and he ran home and he locked himself in the bathroom and there was a Bible in there and he read the Proverbs and it it cured him of his temper. And I actually understand that. If you read the Proverbs, a lot of it is about controlling your temper. And uh, that is one of the things that I've uh, got to work on and I've been on the Proverbs this week. And you know what? I've only lost my temper once this year. And who the hell am I to lose my temper about anything, you know? It's, um, I, I think those days are over. I hope. I hope. Part of what helps me, um, I got a little bit sick. I got a little, uh, I got sick when I was in Colorado. And, uh, I don't know. It's made me a little bit gentler, you know, after you have a bad illness. And, uh, I, I want to stay this way. I don't want to be sick, but I kind of want to stay this way.
3: Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, doing some catch up on Friday. We were all focused on, uh,
4: Speaker McCarthy. Good for him. Uh, it really is good for him. I think he he learned a lot. He's tougher now. He's better now. Tuesday to Friday. No big deal. Congratulations. He's going to run those investigations. But a lot of the things were going on on Friday. Uh, there were January 6 commemorative events all over the place. Um, and you know how I feel about those things, right? They're sickening. They are totally sickening. You know, there's so many unanswered questions about uh, January 6th, but even worse, so many unasked questions. You can't even ask the questions. They will not tolerate it. And Joe yesterday, again, telling horrible ghost stories. This old man trying to divide America, trying to stir things up. Two years later, listen to this, stirring the pot, cut 28.
5: Two years ago, on January the 6th, our democracy was attacked. There's no other way of saying it. The U.S. Capitol was breached, which had never happened before in the history of the United States of America, even during the Civil War. A violent mob of insurrectionists assaulted law enforcement. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, Vandalized. All right. Did you see how he turned it on? Thank you all for coming.
5: Two years ago, on January
4: 6th, he has this venom stored for these kinds of uh, moments. And, oh, by the way, it's not the worst thing that ever happened since, uh, what do they say, the Civil War? I've gone through it a million times. On Capitol Hill in 19, I believe, 98, two Capitol Hill police officers were shot and killed. In the 1950s, five members of Congress in the House of Representatives were shot on the floor of the House of Representatives by a bunch of uh, Puerto Rican nationalist terrorists. There have been bombings inside the Capitol. There was a bombing in the early 1980s right outside the United States Senate. What's worse, a bomb going off or that goofy horns guy running around? Oh, by the way, not breaking anything and not hurting anybody. (laughs) Uh, January 6th figures prominently in my book, and it might just figure prominently in my next book, Um, the two-year anniversary. And then, uh, oh, there's this one moment. Listen to this. Uh, there are two things that happen here. Uh, Joe show, showing, show, showing his issues and, um, uh, and also talking down to the crowd. Cut 29, please. Cut 29.
5: If I can halt for a second and just say to you, the impact, what happened on July the 6th, had international repercussions beyond what I think any of you can fully understand.
4: Any of you can fully understand. Try me. Try me. I can handle it. You know what he tells? He tells that silly story when he goes to the G8 meeting. You know, he sits down and he says, America is back. And then they say to him, yes, but for how long? And Joe just sits there stunned, doesn't know what to say. How's that for a negotiator? How's that for a defender of America? America is back. What does that even mean? By the way, these guys, uh, Macron, Macron. Uh, Boris Johnson at the time, whoever the prime minister is of Italy right now, they actually liked Trump. They respected Trump. Trump has a real kind of European sensibility. You know, y- yes, he does. I know he's like this big, brash. You know, uh, 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 what do they call? It? What's that phrase? He's like an ugly American. No, he has this European sensibility. And, uh, hey, look at his wives, right? Two out of three, uh, European-born, foreign-born. He understands that world, and they understand him. Um, so he was actually a hit. Forget the fake news. They loved him in those settings. And he was, he was definitely, though. He was no pushover like Joe. How's that for opening negotiations? America's back, yes, but for how long? And Joe doesn't know what to say. <laughs> He's... He's totally stumped. But the other thing there that he just said, can I, can I hear that one more time? Cut 29, please.
5: If I can halt for a second and just say to you, the impact, what happened on July the 6th had international repercussions beyond what I think any of you can fully understand.
4: Yep. July the 6th, July the 6th. And there's a, there's somebody behind him who looks around him we see July the 6th. He just looks to the left like, what did you just hear that? It's, it's quite funny. And, uh, What a moment, though. You know what he did? He handed out gold medals uh, on January 6th to anybody who might have been able to help him uh, become president. You know, like those elections officials, right? Um, What's that one? Ruby Ruby and and Shea Moss. Ruby and Shea Moss, those election workers, the mother-daughter duo from Atlanta. The mom was there. She got an award. There's something fishy about this. Cut 30, please.
3: Ruby Freeman,
1: (laughs) inspired by the voting rights legacy of her beloved Atlanta, Lady Ruby Freeman viewed her civic duty as a Fulton County election worker as a sacred
3: mission to ensure the people of Georgia could exercise their fundamental right right. to vote. Stop.
4: Yes, stop, stop, stop. Ruby, what is she? It was a sacred, uh, a sacred duty. Sounds to me like she had a job with the county, right? She, she's one of those bureaucrats at the county level. There are thousands of them all over. Millions all across the country, right? They work for the county. Nassau County. Fulton County. You get a job working for the county. That's great. Let's not pretend you're uh, Jesus, okay? I'm sorry. It's just not that big a deal. The other weird thing about Ruby Freeman here and Sheamus in the report, they were, I'm not exactly sure what they did or didn't do. It's a little bit unclear why they're heroes, though, is Donald Trump uh, criticized them. How dare he do anything like that in a contested election where every vote counts, where, yes, there was at least the capacity, the opportunity to mess with the election. He had the nerve to criticize not only an election worker not only a female election worker but a black female election worker yes yes he did and now why do I why do I say that why why are you making a big deal out of that greg well it's in the january 6 report they can't stop talking about ruby freeman being black every time they mention her ruby freeman two ruby freeman and shay moss two black public servants uh ruby freeman and her daughter shay both black ruby freeman a, pr- a black woman w- nobody else is identified by their race in this uh in this report except ruby and then ruby i you know <laughs> i'm sorry but um i think she's a little bit divorced from reality we just heard her That's probably the bio she gave the White House. You know, that's what you have to do. Give us something to say about you. She told the select committee that she lost her name and reputation because Donald Trump attacked her. She says, my name is Ruby Freeman. For my entire professional life, I was Lady Ruby. Now listen to that part. For my entire professional life, I was Lady Ruby. Who the hell goes around calling themselves? Lady I remember Lady Diana. That was when she was like that—that that interesting period when she got engaged to Charles before the marriage. That one—that's when, when you're designated a lady. She's walking around Fulton County saying, "My name is Lady Ruby Ruby Freeman." I think she's a little bit divorced—a uh, little bit divorced from reality. What do you think? Hmm?
3: Uh- yes. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
2: When you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor, what did you think to yourself looking at that image?
5: How that could possibly happen, how anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that, I mean names of people who helped or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. Wow.
4: We've had some hypocrites in my day, but that is the hippiest critter. Unbelievable, huh? Joe Biden. Joe Biden nailed with classified documents in some phony baloney uh, vice presidential, former vice presidential office that the University of Pennsylvania gave him, along with a no-show job. Classified documents just sitting around there for anybody to take. They don't have any special arrangements for a— former vice president of the United it's 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 nothing like being an ex president of the United States nothing presidents I believe get secret service protection for life they changed it to about 10 years a while back uh, and I think they made it again for the rest of their lives the former vice president gets protection for about uh, three months and then they're off on their own they're Joe citizen. Also a vice president. And that goes for Joe Biden, especially, you know, when he was selling his book and a lot of us who are selling books get, you know, somebody from the publishing company comes. He went to a major event in uh, New Orleans, maybe a year after he left the vice presidency. So he's just Joe Biden. And I remember a congressman who um, was hanging around with him said it was just kind of strange to see this guy with one person. And it was from the book publishing company. You know, some twenty-four-year-old from the book publishing company, and and no Secret Service, no entourage. That's it, just Joe Biden. So those documents uh, weren't protected; they weren't in a secure location. Unlike the stuff that was with Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago is a secure location. They actually had a skiff which is a secret compartment for intelligence uh, furthering or something like that, a skiff. I've been in them a million times. It's like a special room with special safes that are authorized to to store classified material. They actually had one of those at Mar-a-Lago, although I think the documents he had were somewhere else, but they were still secure. They were in his office. These things are everywhere. I was in the government for a little... I actually had secret clearance, not top secret clearance, secret clearance so i can see anything secret and there was an over classification you know what they did they actually classified the weather report the weather report was considered classified the weather report i once got mildly i wouldn't call it i mean it wasn't official but i got mildly reprimanded by somebody because i left a copy of the weather report on a desk confidential but it's the weather yes but it's confidential Over classification. Donald Trump had the authority to declassify anything as the president of the United States. He could do that. He had that authority. The other thing you got to remember is um, when Donald Trump arrived at Mar-a-Lago, he was the president of the United States on January 20th of 2021. When he left the White House for the last time as president, term one, I think there will be a term two. But the first time he leaves as president on that morning makes the speech at Andrews Air Force Base, Um, what else? Gets on the plane, goes to Palm Beach. He arrives at about 11.15 in the morning, about a half hour Joe Biden jumped the gun before the oath of office was taken. So when he arrived there with all those documents, he was still the president of the United States, totally entitled to have whatever the hell he wanted. Joe Biden can't make that claim. He left the vice presidency. Uh, Let's see, that would be January 20th of 2017. And he's Joe Blow, like we talked about. Excuse me. And uh, the other thing is he had to negotiate all these deals like the University of Pennsylvania. They gave him a great big fat no show job, paid him, uh, I think, nine hundred thousand dollars over two years to show up at three seminars. Uh, why do you have a guy? like Why would you pay that kind of money to Joe Biden, who, by the way, is a crummy student? Where did they go to college again? Delaware College? He went to Delaware College. He never went to the Ivy League. He he couldn't come close. He had terrible grades. Um, and there he is, a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, running the Biden University of Pennsylvania Center. Um, they gave him an office in Philadelphia, an office in Washington, D.C. So is this a big story? It should be. It should be. The, uh, b- the lawyers for Joe Biden called the archives, said we have these documents. The archives called the Justice Department. They called the FBI, so this is a federal investigation. It's a little bit different. You'll remember um, the feds almost broke down the door at Mar-a-Lago. Obviously a big story. But there was all kinds of communication beforehand, just like there's communication. Look, this is a major story, especially when you hear the tone that Biden just had. But the media will cover for him. They will um, downplay it. And they'll start ignoring it. I'm curious when is the White House briefing? You'll see how many questions I mean, if this were a Trump situation, obviously uh this would be impeachment number four number fourteen but because it's joe it's it's not so much right? It's not so much. What else do we say? You want to hear that see the, the c b s hey you gotta give it to the fake news, although they can actually still be fake but c b s uh, reported this, and they broke the story. Cut 22, please. Cut 22. They lay it all out.
1: Three sources tell CBS News the classified documents were discovered in this building about a mile from the White House at the offices of the Penn Biden Center, a foreign policy research institute set up after President Biden left the vice presidency. According to a source familiar with the matter, the classified documents are small in number and were found in November in a box among unclassified material. Sources would not characterize how sensitive the documents are. Responding to requests from CBS News, the White House counsel said that on November 2nd of last year, before the midterm elections, lawyers for President Biden were cleaning out office space at the center when they discovered the documents marked classified in a locked closet. They stopped the work and contacted the White House. White House lawyers then reached out to the National Archives, which is responsible for the records. The archives, in turn, contacted the Department of Justice. Attorney General Merrick Garland then tasked the U.S. attorney in Chicago, John Lausch, a Trump appointee, with determining what is in the documents and how they arrived at the Penn Biden Center.
4: My God, how irresponsible, how criminally irresponsible, right? Um, I have a feeling nobody... I did say that the media is going to try to ignore this. They're going to try to downplay it, and they will. However, this could be a major pivot point. The Democrats have to understand that this guy, Joe Biden, has such major liabilities, vulnerabilities, beyond just being a shell of a man who can't make his way through a press conference without saying something hideously stupid. I mean, there are real problems the laptop, the Penchant for corruption, for pay to play, no show jobs. There's a lot there. And are they going to just sit back and bank on the media protecting them and the deep state protecting them? Maybe they will. Maybe they can. Although I think they just might be getting nervous. You know what that means? Pete Bootedge Edge edge. (laughs) could be their nominee. Pete Bootedge Edge. edge. They love that guy for some reason. Can you figure that one out? I'll
3: be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
4: All right, so overnight we have Frank Morano, great radio man, Uh, interesting guy. Doesn't he believe in UFOs and stuff like that? He's got a real uh, interest in... And that kind of stuff. Um, Me, um, not really. Although I'm pretty convinced that there's life out there. But uh, they have not been visiting us lately. Anyway, uh, so William Shatner was on with Frank. William Shatner. Wow, what a guy. He's in his early 90s. Still working. Still busy. Um, And what happened? I guess he took a real liking to Frank Marano. That's what I'm told. Uh, I'd like to hear this, please. This is um, William Shatner. By the way, it's more than Captain Kirk, right? Boston Legal, um, a million different commercials, (laughs) T.J. Hooker. Um, I remember he was in a movie. he was pretty good, The Kidnapping of the President. Uh, A million million projects, and uh, he wrote a very good book as well. Anyway, all right, let's hear what happened. What did he say to Frank Marano? Cut 21.
7: You know, Frank, you're so good (laughs) at this. Would you – and I don't know whether they've got a – a uh, whatever we call it, uh, 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 somebody works with me on stage. Have they asked you to uh, to be on stage with me? Uh, uh, and uh, would you Would we, you consider it?
4: Are, are you kidding me? Wild horses couldn't stop me from uh, I, from doing I would, so. I would, I would love will make
7: it. that suggestion as soon as this uh, interview is over, and uh, hopefully they will get in touch with you because you're so good. Your knowledge, your uh, your uh, interest are so entertained, I'm entertained by it. So I'd love to be on stage with you when we're in uh, in New Jersey.
4: Hmm, uh, something is not adding up. Something doesn't work. Something is not right. Now, number one, Frank Morano is all those things, very knowledgeable, very entertaining. But there's something about that invitation. You think at, at the age of 91... William Shatner is going to redo his act to involve um, a new sidekick, Frank Morano. And he does a great show, by the way. William Shatner over there at uh, NJ Pack. Uh, granted, maybe it's—I don't know. Look, this reminds me of. Um, let me see if I can get this here. This—who uh, heard this when William Shatner goes crazy during a uh, filming of a, a recording of a commercial? It's like a, a radio spot. Doesn't really go crazy. He just abuses the guy who dares to make a suggestion. And I think I just might have heard a little bit of that with Frank Morano. I'm not 100% sure. This is, okay, we got it. Here we go. This is what happens when you tell uh, William Shatner how to read an announcement. Go ahead.
2: This is William Shatner, and I would like to invite you to take a journey with me into the 21st century. So take the next few minutes. And listen very closely. You'll be amazed at what you hear. Okay? Um, can there be a little more uh, excitement in the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. All right. It sounded like really laid, you know, really super laid back. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm saying, uh, okay. Uh, I'll try and do that. Let's do take two. <laughs> <laughs> this is William Shatner, and I would like to invite you to take a journey with me into the 21st century. So take the next few minutes and listen very closely. Um, well, uh, speak up. Uh, uh, and, and maybe you better do it do it the way you hear it. Tell, do it for me. No, I mean, just uh, okay. go ahead. Uh, this is William Shatner, oh. and I would like to invite you to take a journey with me into the 21st century. So take the next few minutes and listen very closely. You'll be amazed at what you hear. Is that the way you'd like me to do it? Okay, I'll do it that way. Okay, ready. This is William Shatner, and I would like to invite you to take a journey with me into the 21st century. So take the next few minutes and listen very closely. You'll be amazed at what you hear. Okay, so is, did, I think that came pretty close. I'm sorry, are you making fun of me? Uh, no, I'm doing... I'm, I'm. just something. No, no, I was. I believe that you asked that was about the way you did it. I wasn't jesting. Okay. This is uh, page two. Well, I, I don't know, I, I really don't want to, because I think you, you actually have a better, much better feeling. No, I don't think I do. I would like to hear you read the second paragraph so I can so I can do it that way. Uh, let me hear... No, I really, you know, now i looked at the different things you did. I really like the first one. But... No, I like it better the way you did. Ah. All right, all
4: right. I now I know. I think he was. I think Frank Murano might have overstepped his bounds with the. Can I hear it one more time with Frank and uh, William Shatner, please?
7: You know, Frank, you're so good. <laughs> oh, it's the same uh, tone at, at this. Would you? Uh, <laughs> and I don't know whether they've got a. Uh, uh-huh. A uh, whatever we call it, uh, 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 somebody works with me on stage. Have they asked you to uh, to be on stage with me? Uh, 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 and would you Would w- you consider it?
1: Are, are you kidding me? Wild
4: horses couldn't stop me from uh, I, from doing I would, so. I would, I would love make it.
7: that suggestion as soon as this uh, interview is over, and uh, hopefully they will get in touch with you because you're so good. Your knowledge, your uh, your uh, interest. Are so entertained. I'm entertained by it. So I would love to be on stage with you when we're
4: in uh, in New Jersey. Oh boy, that puts a little different paint job on it, right? Now that you heard what he wasn't, <laughs> I don't think. I don't know. I don't know. I got to hear the whole interview. Maybe he was thrilled at a base. Frank Morano is knowledgeable. It is entertaining, but some of these stars, you know, they they don't like uh, anything. They their fe- feathers are ruffled very easily. Around. Wild horses wouldn't keep them away. How about Klingons won't keep me away? Klingons. All right. Um, what else is going on? Uh, I think pretty – oh, I just ate, ate oatmeal. Is that okay to eat when you're trying to lose weight? Is it okay? You sure about that? Everybody says avoid carbs, and uh, this thing is loaded up with carbs. And I noticed, by the way, Quaker Oats. It's Quaker Oats. We got a whole bunch of uh, little packets there, brown sugar. And guess who's on the package for Quaker Oats? The Quaker Oats guy. Some Quaker. Um, you know, he's, he looks like George Washington a little bit, right? He's still on the box. He's still on the box. Now, what's the, wh- 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 why? What's the big deal? Have you noticed they took down all of the black characters, but they kept all the white characters? It happened in that insanity of Black Lives Matter summer. It's actually in my book. Corporations went nuts They wanted to do anything they had to do to show that they were virtuous, to show that they were woke, that they got it. And any crazy um, suggestion, any crazy wish from the mob, they acceded to. They just, and one of the things was you got to get rid of all these black characters on your food. So there's no more Uncle Ben's. There's no more uh, Cream of Wheat guy. There's no more Aunt Jemima. They're all gone. Aunt Jemima is now the pearl milling company or something like that. And I remember, quite frankly, you know, back before phones, you know, when you would just stare at the cereal box while you ate and there was nothing else to do, I remember looking at the cream of wheat guy and really kind of being fascinated by him and coming up with a backstory. He seemed such a warm smile. And the same goes for Aunt Jemima. And who are these people? Where do they come from? And I know they have stories, but they've been erased. They've been censored in the name of uh, racial justice but who remains the quaker oats guy who's white little debbie she's white captain crunch is white colonel sanders is white uh who else wendy's uh what does wendy look like oh yeah the little freckled girl right what's another one i feel like there are a couple of more and the, all it's that kind of wild they got rid of all the black ones and all the white ones stayed. In a couple of years, you know, there's going to be another revolt. And that's, they're going to make demands there. All the white ones, uh, it's pathetic. We are having such a ludicrously stupid conversation about race to avoid having an uncomfortable but productive one, a healthy one, one that might be able to help people, you know, might just be able to help some people. Instead, we're going to pretend that it was. if only we had more uh, black people on cereal boxes, somehow we'd be a better country. I tackle all of this in the book and also some more serious issues, but that is, a, that is a symptom, isn't it? That is a symptom. Black Lives Matter wants to abolish police. They want to abolish courts. They want to abolish prisons. They want to abolish jails. They want to abolish capitalism. That's what corporate America signed up for. In about 20 minutes, without thinking, and, oh, by the way, they threw money at them that they proceeded to waste. Uh, They committed fraud. They committed abuse. You heard about all those crazy houses they bought. But for a while there, uh, some rich, powerful people were able to feel better. Roger Goodell was able to come out and say, the National Football League stands with black people. Even saying black people outlaw- out loud for a guy like Roger Goodell, that felt, that felt good. That felt virtuous. That felt like something. You know, most people, you know, you, you stay away from topics like sex, like religion, like race, generally speaking. But then the left went all in, and then those uh, people in power mimicked the left. They used their language, and they controlled the dialogue. They control it all. They control what phrases. It's why it's very easy to get in trouble when you start talking about race. For those who already made it in life, you know, for Mark Zuckerberg, uh, for Roger Goodell, people like that who have power, want to maintain it, they can say silly stuff like that, and that may work for them. But the trickle-down effect for all of us, I mean, (laughs) then these issues ultimately pop up in places like the bus depot. McDonald's, the radio station, every organization in America now has a DEI office, diversity, equity, and inclusion. There's nothing diverse, there's nothing equitable, and there's nothing inclusive about DEI. All right, more on that. Maybe tomorrow I got a – who do I have to talk about the book with? Ooh, Charlie Kirk, the legendary Charlie Kirk. That guy changed the world. College organization, Turning Point USA, much more than a college organization. Uh, be making the rounds with uh, Charlie, Bill O'Reilly, and more. I thank you for your support, and really, it's a, it's a pleasure, it's an honor, and to be continued. I'll see you on the Newsmax show tonight at ten o'clock. All the best. If you came across the.